The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Hey guys, before we get to the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Pro Football Focus. Prepare to win this season with PFF Fantasy. PFF offers the most in-depth stats and analysis to give you a massive edge over your competition. Use their data-driven projections and matchup tools to find breakout players. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long. And don't waste another season guessing which players to draft or to fade. Use PFF Analytics to optimize every draft pick trade offer, and DFS lineup. Sign up at pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order. Are you a high-stakes player? Then join PFF Elite to access their Green Line game picks for NFL and college games. Green Line shows you which picks have the highest confidence to beat the spread, money line, and over-under. Join PFF today and prepare to win. Go to pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn and I am joined as always by Anshu Khanna. Anshu, we had an opportunity to talk about the AFC and NFC West last week, and we're going to get to more this week. But before we do, love to hear how you're doing, my friend. Oh, I'm doing great. Always better having talked to you, amigo. How's it going with you? Going very well. Uh, long week so far. I'm looking forward to some preseason football action this weekend. And, you know, we, we talked about the AFC West, as I alluded to, and one of those big storylines that we followed a week ago was that of Antonio Brown and his cryogenically frozen feet. Uh, it sounds like that is uh, at least somewhat returning to normal. There was some fear that he would have to miss significant time, but it sounds like the bigger issue now had, had to do with what he was going to be wearing on his head. Uh, you know, he had threatened that he would retire if they weren't going to let him wear his old helmet. Uh, now it sounds like there's be, there's some resolution to that, and he's finally returned to camp. But what did you make of this story? It seems like every day there's something with this guy. Yeah, I mean, he is tailor-made to be in Hard Knocks, and sure enough, he's going to be the star of that show, I'm sure. And, um, you know, we, we talked again, like you said, about this team last week and how important he is to everything that they'll be doing and how that division could potentially turn. And, I mean, it not off to a great start. Um, you know, when watching Hard Knocks, it was amazing to me to see, you know, just have it clear and, clear, and you know, just that how – how weak that skill position group is. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that they're a little bit improved, but if you take Antonio Brown off that team, it's, it's a scary set of players. And, you know, Derek Carr, we're, we could be talking about him playing for his job here this year. So needing Antonio Brown to be as normal as he gets is super important for that team. 
Yeah, so obviously we talked about the AFC and NFC West last week. The week before that, we talked about the AFC and NFC East. And one of the big storylines there that we had been tracking was that of Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, It's still sounding more and more like he could miss time to start out the year. Uh, Any thoughts as we are now a couple weeks removed from that show? And if you haven't had a chance to check out last week's or the week before, uh, please do because we previewed both of those uh, sides. Yeah, and I mean, I think that his importance has become magnified. We hear today that Amari Cooper already has some plantar fascia irritation, which is a bad sign. That's not something that just goes away. And, um, you know, for a receiver that's looking for a huge deal that we talked about last week or a few weeks ago, I mean, that's that's that just magnifies how important Zeke is. And you have to wonder if they'll end up as much as Jerry Jones has said that, you know, they don't want to set the market with a running back. I mean, it's, it's hard, or I guess it was Steven Jones, but it's hard to imagine them, their offense running with a less than 100% Amari Cooper, a quarterback in Dak Prescott that may or may not be turning down 30 to $40 million a year and Ezekiel Elliott holding out. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because that team does change quite a bit. I think Zeke, as we talked about on that show is, is one of the pure, bell cow running backs that this league has to offer maybe one of the the top two or three in the league so you know whether or not they can work out a deal there is going to be important and then there's going to be others dominoes to fall as we talked about on that show just a couple weeks ago but let's get to what we have to talk about on this show and we're going to start with the AFC South uh, Anshu, I want to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars because uh, they, they came out today and said it's unlikely that Nick Foles plays in this uh, this preseason game here coming up against the Eagles, which is obviously his former team. Nick Foles coming in, uh, expected to be the starter to replace Blake Bortles, who just couldn't quite get over the hump for this Jacksonville team. But let's talk about the Foles story first, and uh, then we'll get to some fantasy thoughts here on this team. Yeah, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a really interesting team. Two years removed from being probably the best defense in all of football. And even last year, they were still a top seven to 10 team. You know, a lot of headlines made by Jalen Ramsey, but, you know, they're, he's still a lockdown corner and they have tons of talent all up and down that roster. And, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the better defensive rosters, but, you know, you have to think that the whole thing hinges on Nick Foles and, you know, and if they can stay healthy with their receivers, Marquise Lee had, you know, some flashes over the years. We've seen DJ Shark was a, a top two round receiver last year. Terrell Pryor gets added. DD Westbrook was pretty good last year. So, you know, kind of an interesting team that's going to be much healthier up front. And then obviously brings back Leonard Fournette, who you just talked about goal, you know, true bell cows i mean when he's healthy he's certainly one of those as well for jacksonville they add john Filippo as their offensive coordinator which i think is going to open some things up so offensively this team should look much different i think but defensively that's where they'll hang their hat on uh in this tom coffin organization and it'll be very very interesting to me to see what if they look and are able to recapture uh some of what they looked like in 2017 as opposed to last year I'm curious to see how this wide receiver position shakes out. D.D. Westbrook is a guy that at times looked like he could be a a very solid fantasy producer, maybe a a WR2 or or 3 in your league or a flex guy, and and at times he just kind of disappeared. Do you think Nick Foles can help? If not him, you mentioned Marquise Lee's name. Chris Conley's a guy that comes over. Is there somebody that that you see as maybe a sleeper chance here uh, on this Jacksonville offense, maybe at the receiver position? I mean, everybody's looking at Leonard Fournette to have a rebound year after being injured a lot of last season, but does Nick Foles help them get over the hump from a receiver position standpoint, or do you think it's more of the same that we saw out of Blake Bortles? 
it's really hard to know, honestly. I mean, I, I like John Filippo. I've always been a fan, and, and I think that Nick Foles, you know, he obviously reunited with Filippo, who was their uh, quarterback's coach back when Doug Peterson and Frank Reich were on the staff. So, um, you know, this isn't a total la- lack of familiarity between a uh, play caller and quarterback, but Nick Foles has to stay healthy, and we've seen – some bad looks of Nick Foles. I think of last season and those, that first game that the Eagles played. Do you remember doing that leftovers where Foles just looked absolutely atrocious and, yeah. you know, almost like a non-NFL caliber quarterback? We've seen that out of him. And let's be honest, this Jaguars skill position group isn't exactly, you know, the greatest show on turf. So, I, I mean, I think that it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I do like the fact that those two guys are familiar with each other. And I think that there is talent here. If I had to pick someone, I'd probably lean towards Westbrook. Like you said, I mean, I think that he's kind of a slot type player, which uh, Foles was better with. Um, I wish there was a better tight end on this team right now. It looks like Jeff Swaim is the light. Jeff Swaim is the likeliest starter here at tight end. But I mean, not a lot of great talent. Um, and, you know, that's a position he certainly targeted with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard last year. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, you know, the defense is going to be the story here and whether or not they can lean on Nick Foles just enough to keep them relevant. I mean, we saw Blake Bortles do that. I mean, this team, we we, we forget, they, they almost knock off the Patriots with an opportunity mm-hmm. to get to the Super Bowl. You remember Blake Bortles uh, shedding a tear or he, he never admitted that it was a tear, but uh, <laughs> I think we all knew that that was a tear being shed. Um, so we'll there see are, if Jacksonville can are- get back to that point. I agree. They're over under right now is seven and a half wins, and there's a lot of weight on the on over not, minus one twenty five. So Vegas believes in these Jaguars because I would be hammering that under. Fair enough. All right, let's get to your boy. This is another big storyline. It's Andrew Luck. It sounds like the injury that he's been facing that was, it's, I believe it was a calf issue that's now turned into a high ankle sprain. It sounds like Luck could potentially miss time to start out the year. And, you know, just when you think this guy's going to come into a season fully healthy, it looks like he may not. I know this is one of your guys. I know you're a big Andrew Luck fan. Uh, but if he's not able to be there for a week, too, and this turns into something that uh, lingers, it could just be another year where, where we see Andrew Luck with just constant injury issues. But if he's healthy, obviously, I know you love this offense. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Luck, as you said. I mean, I love the marriage between him and Frank Reich. They, he was just so locked in after a kind of a sluggish start, I would say, but um, ended up having an absolutely awesome year, has added to T.Y. Hilton. He's he's now got Devin Funches. They spent a second rounder on Paris Campbell. They have a bunch of they, they had Dante Foreman off of uh, waivers. And I'll just say this beyond all that. I mean, if Andrew Luck does have to miss two weeks, they do have Jacoby Brissett, who might be, you know, you talk about best backups in the league. He's got to be in that top three to five conversation, if not the best outright. So, um, you know, the Colts did not want to trade him, didn't want to give him back to the the Pats. And I mean, I think that uh, there's some good reason for that. And Frank Reich is certainly one of the best coaches in the league. They have Nick Sirianni um, as their offensive coordinator. This is a pretty good group. And I think that they could potentially tread water until luck gets back. But you always have to be worried it seems like every year now it's been what three of the last four where we've been concerned about Andrew Luck going into the season with injury issues. And at some point you just got to be concerned because that is a, that's a big boy. And uh, if he's got foot issues, ankle issues already to add to, you know, the neck and shoulder stuff that he had last year, I mean, that's, that's a scary sight for the Colts for sure. 
Yeah, and he's not the only one on that offense that faced injury concerns last year. Obviously, Jack Doyle missed a lot of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton's always faced injury issues at times in his career, although he's played a lot of last year. And then Marlon Mack was in and out for a lot of the season. I mean, they had to resort to Jordan Wilkins at times. Naeem Hines kind of made a name for himself at, at certain points in the season. And then they bring in Spencer Ware. So if Marlon Mack can stay healthy, where do you see him stacking up as far as the running backs go here this year in drafts? Yeah, he's super interesting. I mean, they have basically said everything they could publicly about Marlon Mack being their true bell cow back. And I mean, it's it, it despite the fact that every fantasy person wants to plug in Naheem Hines, as you mentioned, Jordan Wilkins was a pretty high pick and a darling last year. Foreman, again, they pick him up. Spencer Ware was picked up. I think that they're going to end up cutting him here soon. But, you know, he was an interesting name. But all Marlon Mack has done is just be really productive. And I think that you know, he's probably not an ideal RB1, but you could get away with it. And again, especially if luck is hurt, um, you know, you're talking about a guy that could get 25, 30 touches a game, especially in the first month. And those are just so rare that, uh, you know, tough not to to peg him as a, a really useful RB2. Yeah, and if you're looking for tight end help, I mean, this is a team that you would definitely want to look at. Eric Ebron was a touchdown machine last year. Jack Doyle came back from injury and had a couple big games as well. Uh, these could be two tight ends that go in the top 15 of tight ends picked, and Eric Ebron probably one of the top five. So uh, obviously Andrew Luck likes to throw to those guys. If he's healthy, the production for them as well as T.Y. Hilton should move in the right direction. And we could finally see Devin Funches be as productive as we thought he could be in Carolina. Never really panned out and became a consistent fantasy performer but I think he's a guy that could see an uptick if uh, if uh, Andrew Luck can stay healthy as well so this is definitely one of the more interesting and more deep offenses that we're going to talk about at least if not on this show really in the league this year if that if Andrew Luck can stay healthy for sure and I mean this is a really good offensive line too part of why Marlon Mack becomes so interesting is Quentin Nelson might be the best guard in football already Ryan Kelly was a first or second round pick there at center I mean they've got studs up and down and their defense is very underrated and they they spent a bunch of draft picks adding to that group I mean it's just a really good coaching staff a really good front office led by Chris Ballard and it's just one of those things where I think that you have to almost defer to smart organizations and just assume that they sometimes get it right and I think this Colts team is on the brink of of turning that corner do you think they win the division put you on the spot I do. I do think that they will. I mean, part of that, of course, is Luck's health. But even without that, I mean, I, I just the Texans have the toughest schedule in football this year, which we'll get to. Um, they The Colts might not be better than the Texans straight up on paper, but I just I, I really like this team. I think that their defense is extremely solid and I love Frank Reich. I think that they I do think that they're the most balanced team in this division. I think they've got a real shot at winning the AFC. All right, let's move on to my brother's Tennessee Titans. I know you have another guy here that you like quite a bit, oh, yeah. Marcus Mariota. He's a guy that, that's been a real frustrating from a fantasy standpoint, and, and we talk about yes. injury issues. He's a guy that's seen quite a bit of them. Corey Davis started to look like the number one overall pick that they, well, first round pick that they they, they took a couple years ago uh, last year at times. Never never quite turned into a, a wide receiver one, but he, he, he started to look a little bit more consistent and that Mariota kind of started to see him as his primary target. Uh, and then Derrick Henry had a breakout year as well, uh, with Deion Lewis still being there as kind of their scat back. But what do you like here? with the with the Tennessee Titans uh from a fantasy standpoint looking at this year uh, 
I love Mariota, but I think that you're right on. I mean, it's it's I'm running out of time here with him. I think this is potentially it. Now they lost Matt LaFleur to my Packers, obviously, but um, they're likely to run a very similar offense with Arthur Brown. And, uh, you know, that means just ground and pound, which means a ton of Derrick Henry. We saw him, as you said, just absolutely flourish at the end of the last year. He's got a strained calf right now, but should be fine early in the season. Him and Lewis are a really nice duo behind Mariota. But then on top of Corey Davis, I mean, they they draft A.J. Brown in the second round this year. They add Adam Humphreys, which is a really underrated signing, I think, as far as like a short yardage slot guy from a football perspective. Maybe not fantasy, but certainly for the real thing. Um, I think it's going to be a nice safety valve for Mariota. And then let's not forget, they bring back Delaney Walker, who was yeah, big injury like last year. the huge injury. And so you had him and Johnny Smith. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a really good duo and one of the best offensive lines in football here as well, led by Taylor Luan. So, um, you know, I, I think that this Titans team has some potential to be one of those, you know, keep games close with their ugly wins with Mike Vrabel wanting to run the ball a lot and uh, just see what happens. But, you know, I, I mean, I don't think there's any misgivings about this team being a real contender. I just, if they make the playoffs, that's all Mariota needs and he needs to stay healthy for sure as well. Yeah. And if he doesn't, I think they're in a better position than they've been in the past few years. I mean, they've had some of the worst backup quarterbacks in the league when Mariota's gone down. At least they bring in Ryan Tannehill, who's had some success in Miami, obviously wasn't great. That's why he ends up in a backup role here in Tennessee. But he's a guy who can be at least a you know pedestrian level uh, quarterback, and he's the perfect type of quarterback to be a game manager, which is what they may need to do at times if they are running the ball down people's throat and playing good defense like you expect Mike Rabel's team to For do. Sure. So you make sure. some very good points there. I do like Corey Davis to take a step in the right direction. I think Derrick Henry. I mean, where do you what do you see Derrick Henry being drafted? I mean, do you think him and Marlon Mack are on the same level, or do you think Derrick Henry's a, a little bit in front there? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably put Matt slightly ahead, but it, it's really close. Like I, I, if they pound the ball the way that they expect to, and if they, you know, if they're winning games, that's the thing. If the Titans are behind, they're in a lot of trouble, I think, because I just don't know that this receiver core is going to be good enough right away. Um, and I don't think that their offensive coaching is really catered towards passing, but the Colts have a nice balance of run and pass. And I think that that, makes Marlon Mack a slightly safer player. But Derrick Henry, especially in non-PPR leagues, is just a monster, especially around the goal line. They're not going to run Marcus Mariota into the end zone a whole lot. It's going to be all Derrick Henry. So if you're looking for touchdowns, I think he's your guy. And if this is a three-horse race here in uh, the AFC South, the third team in that three-horse race would be the Houston Texans. Obviously, they have uh, one of the better quarterback-receiver duos, Deshaun Watson, uh, has looked great when healthy. DeAndre Hopkins could potentially be the best receiver in the league. I mean, he's just a receptions monster. Uh, Will Fuller should be back healthy. And then Kiki Kuti had a, a breakout year last year as well, uh, who I know you you were pretty high on. But what do they do at the running back position? I'm anxious to hear what you have to say with Lamar Miller obviously aging. Deontay Foreman should be back healthy after missing most of last year. Where do you see this team going at the running back position, and how much value do you put on either of those guys in a fantasy draft early on? So... Deontay Foreman actually got signed by the Colts. He got waived because oh, he was, that. yeah, he was being, uh, he was not a, a coach favorite of Bill O'Brien after being hurt for much of last year. So then they go and trade for Duke Johnson, which I think oh, is that's right. That's right. Really interesting. Yeah. So you get Duke and Lamar Miller. And I think that Duke Johnson, you know, I, I love this fit for him. And I mean, a lot of people wanted to put Melvin Gordon on this team. 
all Lamar Miller's ever done is just be there and do just enough to keep that job. I think Duke Johnson is talented enough to usurp a lot of certainly the catches, but potentially more than that. And Lamar Miller's also been an injury issue, you know, for a couple of years up till last year. And so, um, you know, if, if Duke is able to be healthy and just stay on the field and pick up this offense quickly, I think you could see him be at a really interesting dimension of the Texans. Um, and especially if Kiki QT can't stay healthy, which is a, a player you mentioned that I liked. And I mean, I do, but the issue with him is just, it's the health. And if he's out, then you put Duke in the slot, you have a ton more receptions there and, um, you know, away you go. This Texans team has a lot of potential to throw the ball around a lot, especially because they have such a tough schedule this year. I expect Deshaun Watson to pass a lot more, and I think that's going to unlock a whole new level for the Texans offense this year. Yeah, and Duke should get more volume with Lamar Miller, as I mentioned, aging. He, he should get a little bit more as far as looks out of the backfield catching the ball than he did in Cleveland. Obviously, that backfield started to get a little bit more crowded last year in Cleveland, so... Uh, that is a big and a significant trade from a fantasy landscape perspective when you think about the running back position here in Houston. Uh, I totally missed the Deontay Foreman uh, signing in, 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 in uh, Indianapolis, though. So always filling me in here, aren't you? I appreciate it. Uh, so if you had to, to pick a horse in that three-horse race, it sounds like you think Indianapolis if Andrew Luck stays healthy. But if I had to, if I had to make you bet on it, who do you take out of those three teams? Because I don't think either, and either of us see uh, Jacksonville winning the division. No, I don't either. But actually, they're favored above the Titans. According to Bet Online, you've got the, the Colts are minus 130, the Texans are plus 300, the Jags are plus 500, and the Titans, surprisingly, plus 700. So, not a lot of love for my boy um, and DJ's boy there with uh, Mariota. So, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think value wise, I actually kind of like the tech, the Titans there, but um, the Texans at plus 300 make a lot of sense to me as well, especially if luck is out for any amount of time. Fair enough. All right, we're going to talk about the NFC South as well, but before we do, I want to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, and only with NFL Game Pass, you get every out-of-market preseason game live, and with the preseason underway, your season can start now with NFL Game Pass. You can get a first look at all the rookies and all the players on new teams. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. I know I'm most excited to watch all of my Cincinnati Bengals rookies trying to make a name for themselves, trying to make that team this preseason uh, we've got the NFL game pass and you can watch all of those guys on your Green Bay Packers as well on you here live during this preseason and if I miss any of those guys games I can always replay it after it's aired whoever you want to watch this preseason you're going to need NFL game pass to do it if you're out of market which you and I are both on you so uh, some of the storylines we're keeping an eye on is Kyler Murray how's he going to look with Cliff Kingsbury leading that offense. How is Antonio Brown going to fit into the Raiders' offense? We've talked a lot about his feet. We've talked a lot about his helmet. But if he gets on the field, how's he going to do? Can Nikhil Henry win over the Patriots as a trusted rookie wide receiver? Obviously, the preseason has a lot to do with that. But make sure you get all of this action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. And best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass if you sign up now at NFL.com slash hour. All right, Anshu, we mentioned we were going to do it, so we absolutely are. We're going to talk about the NFC South now, uh, and this is a division that obviously the New Orleans Saints have had a stranglehold on for the last few years, uh, but let's, let's save the Saints for the end. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons first. They were just ravaged by injuries last year on the defensive side of the ball. On offense, obviously, they faced some as well. 
Uh, but let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons going into this year, obviously working on the contract uh, and getting that uh, with Julio Jones, who's obviously one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mohamed Sanu and Calvin Ridley both have a step in the right direction and have great years last year. The running back situation is a little interesting. You have Devontae Freeman, who's aging, who's had injury issues. Ito Smith made a step in the right direction last year. And Matt Ryan's been a pretty consistent fantasy quarterback for a lot of people. Uh, but where do you see the rest of these offensive skill positions playing out? Yeah, uh, you know, the obvious name here is Calvin Ridley. When you think of, you know, just rock solid, you've got Matt Ryan, you've got Devontae Freeman, you've got, you know, Julio Jones. Those guys are what they are. But then, and even Sanu to a certain extent, but Ridley is going to really be the straw that stirs the drink this year, I think. And, um, you know, you you talked about Sanu as well and Hooper. And, I mean, like, those are are just the usual suspects for them. But if Ridley's able to take that next step – and I was a huge fan of him coming out of Bama. I, I mean, if you add him to that group and they're able to do some new things, um, getting back together with Dirk Cutter, who's their former offensive coordinator, I mean, I think that there, there's real potential here for the Falcons to end up winning that division if they get better luck on the defensive side with injuries that, that you alluded to. So um, also an underrated offensive line, assuming Caleb McGarry, their first-round pick, is able to come back strong from the, uh, I believe it was like a heart issue, but he's supposed to play eventually. A um, couple interesting names here, because remember, they lost Tevin Coleman. So that's the one suspect that's gone. So that means Edo Smith. That means Brian Hill. One of those guys could step up. Brian Hill from Wyoming, I was a huge fan of a couple of years ago out of the draft. And I could see him ultimately taking on that sort of Freeman, or I'm sorry, Tevin Coleman role. And uh, that could be a potential late-round sleeper for you out of the Falcons. Is, is Mohamed Sanu a guy you're drafting in a fantasy draft this year? Probably not, man. Honestly, like it's it's hard for me to take the third receiver on a team that's not putting up, you know, forty five hundred yards of passing offense is what I would put it at. And I mean, it's I know that that's a really high bar, but unless it's like Cooks Cup and you know those guys out in out in L.A., I mean, it's there aren't a lot of teams where you're drafting three receivers, and I'm definitely taking Ridley and Julio. I'm a little concerned about Sanu now. I think that there will be weeks that you can use him for sure, but it's. You know, that's kind of like a medium floor play rather than a high ceiling guy, in my opinion. I think that's fair. Devontae Freeman, you think he's able to come back healthy and be productive after after some injury-ridden years the last couple? Yeah, it's it's always scary, but the fact that uh, Tevin Coleman isn't there... I think that was really well for him. Um, like you said, he's always hurt, but, um, you know, assuming that they're able to get the pass game going a little bit to their running backs again, I mean, I think that he's still a really strong RB2 or, or even a solid late RB1 if you have to go that way. All right, let's move to Tampa Bay. Uh, this was a offense that, you know, it was just – you just never knew what you were going to get week in and week out. Jameis Winston looked yes. like he was going to be – worthy of that number one overall selection in the draft, and then at times he looked like he was worthy of a trash can. Uh, so they, they obviously <laughs> get rid of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is still potentially could be starting in Miami, as we've talked about. Uh, Blaine Gabbert's the backup now in Tampa Bay. But I've got to hear, do you think Jameis Winston gets to a point where he's a, a worthy of uh, being your, your starting quarterback in fantasy, and is he worthy of being the starting quarterback of this team? I know Peyton Barber kind of turned into the guy, but Ronald Jones is still there running back. Mike Evans still one of the top receivers in the league. And then O.J. Howard took a step in the right direction, as well as Cameron Braid at the tight end position. So they've got good skill players. You would think Jameis Winston should have enough around him to be successful, and I feel like this is the year where it's make or break for him. 
It definitely is. They hire Bruce Arians to facilitate that. And I mean, I, I like what they've got there. I mean, I know that they had a really, really solid offense last year. Uh, just loved going down the field. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston combined to be, I believe, combined to be the number RB, like quarterback two in combination over the year, which is just crazy to think about. But, um, you know, the offensive play caller, Todd Monken, goes to Cleveland and Bruce Arians comes in. Deshaun Jackson is gone, but in steps former uh, second round pick, I believe, Chris Godwin. Uh, like you said, OJ Howard is back from injury. I mean, there's there's a ton of talent here. And I just trust Bruce Arians. And I think that Jameis Winston is going to climb and have the type of year befitting his former draft position. So although I've been a little bit down on him at times over the years, I just the guy's talent is undeniable and um, the players around him are even more undeniable. So I and I mean, if you couple that with how bad I think this defense is going to be, I just think they're going to be in some shootouts. And, you know, while Winston's going to cost you on interceptions, if you're in a league that's not like minus three, like our league that we're in is, um, you know, that's going to help you a lot. I think that the risk is low and the reward is very high on Jameis. That online's got them at plus 1,200 to win the division. I mean, the closest thing to them is the Panthers at plus 450. Obviously, no one's seeing them as a favorite going into this year, but do you think that's a little bit steep? It is. It is a little steep. I think there's value there, um, but I, I just I'm worried about their defense. I think that their defense is going to have some major issues. They lose Gerald McCoy. They do fill in that gap with Indomitian Sue, but you know, in Vita Via, their first first round pick last year comes in at nose tackle. But there's just generally speaking, they're they're a little thin defensively, especially in that secondary. And when you think of these other three teams in this division, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up in shootouts, but. I'm going to tell you right now, this division is going to be a blast, and all these teams are going to score a bunch of points. I think that bodes well for all the offensive players. And, and like you said, plus 1,200 seems a little steep for the Bucks in a division where a lot of teams have gone from last to first in the last few years. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, though. I mean, you look at the four teams that we're talking about here in this NFC South, and they are all going to put up points, like you just mentioned. So fantasy-wise, this is a fantasy show you should be able to find a lot of value on every single one of these teams. And I, you know, to your point about Jameis and Fitzpatrick combining for, I think you were right on that, uh, depending on what your scoring was in your league, that they were one of the top two or three quarterbacks combined in the league last year. You know, there's the, the, the receivers are going to get a lot of looks. You got OJ Howard and Cameron Brait that both get looks in the end zone. Mike Evans is always one of the more productive receivers from a yard standpoint. I think he had like five or six years in a row now that he is at over a thousand yards. Uh, so he's a guy that generally stays healthy and, and, uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of looks now that Deshaun Jackson's not there. So uh, I think this is a team that you will find fantasy value in, even if they do end up in that plus 1,200 range that Bet Online has them in. All right, let's move on to Carolina. The Panthers, uh, this is a team that, uh, you know, obviously looking to tape, take a step forward. Uh, you know, Cam Newton's still there. He's, he's obviously uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league when healthy and, and went at his best. But uh, you look at the depth chart around him, uh, Christian McCaffrey is a guy that's going to kill it in a PPR league. Had a great breakout year last year. DJ Moore looked really good at times, too. Looked like he could be a wide receiver one uh, if he can stay healthy. And obviously, he's a guy that's going to get a lot more looks now with uh, Devin Funches moving on. And, and obviously, this wide receiver crew around him not really being the brightest. So, Anshi, with all of that being said, what do you think of the Carolina Panthers fantasy-wise going into this year? Uh, I think they're fascinating. I think that this is one of those, if you're able to nail this one, 
Um, you know, it could be the key to winning a fantasy league. I mean, but I don't know what it is. That's the problem. So uh, Curtis Samuel has been an absolute stud in preseason. Every Panthers beat writer is just all over him. But, you know, they spent a first rounder on DJ Moore last season. And, you know, he showed some flashes as well. He's still super young. Um, and, you know, it, it all really starts with Cam Newton's health. I mean, and we always have questions about Cam and, you know, if he's going to make it, if he's going to get through games, you know, what are the caveats with his arm and whatever else? Um, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and get the ball out to Christian McCaffrey into these small but super shifty receivers, I think they become, you know, the potential is there with North Turner to absolutely explode with this offense. And, um, you know, you, like I think you brought up Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan's another really interesting name to add to this mix. Cameron Artis paying his flash as a, a player out of the backfield for them. And so, you know, that I, I mean, I think that this Panthers team has massive potential. But as always, you know, there's a lot of volatility here, and it all starts with Cam Newton's health. Yeah, and they addressed that health with Will Greer. He was a guy that you were extremely high on in this past yes. draft. Uh, he's a gunslinger, obviously, out of West Virginia, spent time at Florida. Uh, do you think if, if Cam goes down, do you think Will Greer can keep this team in a productive fantasy uh, situation? So he was not great in preseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a fan, but, like, let's look at the backups in this division. You got Bridgewater, Gabbert, and Matt Schaub. I mean, I, I think that Greer's about on par with those last two. And, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater might be the best backup in the league. So uh, I would say if Cam goes down, it's going to kill a lot of your hopes. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I think, is probably almost Cam-proof just because – you know, backups want to throw the ball to their running backs a lot anyway. So I still like Will Greer, but I doubt that he has the uh, F-it mode that he needs to uh, sustain a good fantasy offense right now as a rookie. All right, let's close out the NFC South with the New Orleans Saints. This is a team that obviously we've seen rules change because of. So, uh, you know, what happens with the New Orleans Saints has had an impact on this league, to say the least. Uh, Drew Brees really getting up there in age, but it still looks as good as he ever has. You mentioned Bridgewater there as a backup. They also have Taysom Hill, uh, who's kind of been one of those guys who's been a utility player of sorts. And then Mm -hmm. in the backfield, Alvin Kamara gets a chance to take a little bit more of the workload, obviously, with Ingram moving on. And then Michael Thomas getting the big contract, one of the better receivers in the league. They add Jared Cook at the tight end position. What do you like here about New Orleans? The thing I like about New Orleans is the amount of different weapons that they have. I mean, they, you know, you've got the backfield players and I'll, I'll say errs with an S because you didn't mention Latavius Murray, who I think that, that he's kind of getting undersold, but Drew Brees also has, you know, obviously you've got Michael Thomas signed to the big deal. Zach line gets some use out of, as a fullback. Like you said, Taysom Hill is a, you know, utility type player, but then they add Jared cook, who I think is going to be their de facto number two receiver here. And then Traquan Smith was an interesting rookie for a while last year. I also liked what I saw of Will Jordan Humphrey, this uh, first preseason game for New Orleans, so uh, out of Texas. So there, there's some pieces. Ted Ginn comes back. Um, you know, I, I just I think that the Saints team is so just prepared for every type of defense at this stage that, you know, basically buying in the Saints is making a very safe play in any way. Yeah, it'd be tough to go wrong taking really anybody on that offense uh, looking at this year. I, th- I think Jared Cook could flourish uh, in that offense as well. He They haven't really had a tight end that you would you would think of as a productive type of a tight end for a while. 
Uh, so I think he could have a, a solid year as well, obviously coming out of Oakland. And, you know, he, he at times was uh, you know, one of the better tight ends in the league and then disappeared for weeks. So I think Drew Brees could maybe get the most out of him as well. So for sure, it should be interesting to see what we what we see out of the NFC South. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a division we're going to see a lot of offense out of, like you alluded to, aren't you? And I think it could be one of the more exciting and explosive divisions in the NFL. All right, we're going to get to the leftovers. Before we do that, I wanted to just tell you guys a little bit about Yahoo Fantasy. It's August, which means football season is right around the corner. And, or if you look at from the preseason point of view, it's underway already. Uh, but Yahoo Fantasy has announced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action right now. With Best Ball, you're you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do anything once you've drafted it. Each week, your top-scoring players at each position on your roster are automatically going to count towards your weekly score. So you can forget about the time commitment that goes into setting your roster. There's no waiver wire, no trades, no adding and dropping players, no having to make those tough start-and-sit decisions that we labor over well into the, the wee hours on Sunday before the games start. Uh, yes. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, and that's the draft. That's the most fun. I know we're looking forward to ours, aren't you? You're tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft. Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate average draft position or average or ADP of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Yes, I said that right. 5-0, 50. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash bestball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app, which I know you and I frequent quite often, aren't you? And I know, Yahoo, we're going to have a special treat for you guys here with our bonus show this week. You should hear from uh, the, the gentleman over at Yahoo. So uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you guys about that in a few days. That's more to come. But, but Anshu, let's get to the leftovers. Uh, we're keeping the spirit alive. Uh, we have a few storylines that we wanted to touch on before we let our listeners get to the rest of their week. But uh, one of those storylines is the New York Giants. And obviously we've talked about them a couple weeks ago uh, when we talked about uh, the NFC East. Uh, it sounds like, you know, they, they hope at least that Eli Manning is going to be their starting quarterback all 16 games this year, as uh, owner John Mara came out and said here in the last day or so. Uh, obviously, they, they, they take Daniel Jones in the draft in that first round, but uh, do you think this is just owner speak, coach speak, governor speak, or whatever they call it nowadays? Uh, or do you <laughs> think this is something that has some truth to it, and that's actually what they expect to see here for the season? Oh, man. I, I think it's just total, yeah, what you're saying, diplomatic speak. But, you know, I... I I watched a little of that game last week, and I thought Daniel Jones looked way better than expected. I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't think that they had a good value pick there at all with Dave Gettleman taking him at seven. But I, I thought that he held his own. And, like, the one thing about Daniel Jones you can't say is that he's immature. I mean, he's he definitely has the poise. I just don't know if he's got the talent. Um, and he he's just – his similarities to Eli are eerie. I, I think that they know – what Eli is. And I think that's why a lot of people are so high on Odell Beckham, just going from Eli to Baker Mayfield. But you know, like it's undeniable. Eli cannot drive the ball down the field for 16 games anymore. He had a great career. He's a hall of famer at times. Um, And you know, it's like this, it's, you might as well just move on because 
what are they going to compete for this year? Are they going to win their division? Like, like there's just no chance. They're, they're over under in Vegas is six wins right now, which I think is the lowest in all of football. So, and I think you'd have to beg me to take the over on that. So it's just a tough team to, to watch. And I think that it's going to be tough for Giants fans to watch Eli past week eight, if there's something like two and six or something like that. Yeah, I would agree. I, and I don't think us as, as fantasy fans want to watch Eli much either with that offense that's going to be around him other than Saquon Barkley. So, uh, mm. you know, it's it's tough. You're glad you're not a Giants fan at a time like this. But, uh, you know, the future does look somewhat bright. They have good pieces in place to build around. It's just going to take some time for this team to kind of get out of the doldrums, uh, you can call it. So I did want to touch on a couple baseball stories as well, though. And the first one is, you know, our former guy, Chris Sale, becomes the fastest ever to 2,000 strikeouts. Is it hard at all on you for you to watch Chris Sale have continued success in a Boston Red Sox uniform and not a Chicago White Sox uniform? <laughs> um, it's not as hard given that they already won their World Series last year and Yon Moncada is such a stud and Michael Kopech looks awesome. So if I'm ever upset about it, I just look at Moncada's stats this year and realize that he's been worth more wins than Chris Sale this season. So pretty nice for our uh, 24-year-old third baseman to be doing that already but uh you know sales been incredible yeah oh god <laughs> he's so soft but now sales sales had a really nice recovery from the beginning of this season he's actually been pretty unlucky overall but again averaging over 13 strikeouts per nine absolutely wild breaks the 2000 mark i mean it would have been nice to see him come back to the south side but it looks like he's going to be in boston for the uh, foreseeable future Another starting pitcher, one that uh, is a former Cy Young winner, and Jake Arrieta. He's had some serious issues this year dealing with a bone spur in his elbow. Uh, and, you know, it seems like every game this story just comes back up, and he's been very inconsistent this year anyway. But I think it's important to note, just based on the fact that the Phillies are still in playoff contention, they're still fighting for a wild card position. And Jake Arrieta, when he's even at his, you know, I, I guess not best, but even when he's feeling some of this pain, he's still been a decent starter that can get you deep into games except for when he really feels it. And it seems like that's happening more and more often as the season goes on. Uh, so I just like to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think it makes sense to just shut Jerry, Jake Arrieta down for the rest of the year. Their GM Matt Klintax came out today and said that there has been no decision made. I know Jake Arrieta said that after their, his most recent start this weekend, that he was going to take some time to think about it for a couple days before making a decision on what he, what he wants to do. But he was open in saying that he didn't know if he can continue to pitch this year. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, his last few games have been really bad. His last two in particular, his game scores are two of the worst that he's had over the last few years. Uh, you know, his fastball velocity was down a little bit, but not noticeably last game. It was probably down about a mile an hour. Generally, it's about, you know, a mile and a half lower than what it was at the beginning of the year. And it's just been, it's been rough, man. I mean, five earned runs in three innings last game after two and in five innings. Like, his ERA is just kind of skyrocketed uh you know three of his last four have not been good so you know if if the bone spur is causing him to be a you know below average pitcher especially in this day and age where you know home runs are just flying off the bats i mean i think you've got to find a way to just rest him and see if he can get his velocity back up another half tick or so and you know then maybe toss him out of the pen or in certain situations but right now he's just not helping them all right, last storyline we want to touch on is the Cleveland Indians finally taking the lead in the AL Central. Are you surprised that this happened as fast as it did? Obviously, Minnesota's been reeling a little bit. They've only won five out of their last ten. Uh, but they had, I think it was like 11 or 12-game lead coming out of the All-Star break. 
Yep. Yeah, so through June 2nd, the Indians were 11 and a half back. The Twins were 40 and 18 through 58 games. The Indians were 29 and 30. Since then, the Indians are 43 and 17. Wow. And the, the Twins are still, you know, above 500, 31 and 29, but they have lost 12 games in the standings since then. Both those teams are around 94 and a half percent, 95 percent, 96 to make the playoffs now. So it's likely that we see these two teams match back up. But I've been telling you, I think that the Indians are a legit team, man. Like, I think that they could beat the Astros. I just, they don't even have Corey Kluber back yet. I I mean, I'm totally buying Cleveland. I think that they're a better team all around than the Twins. The Twins can get hot and their bats can get them going. But um, I like this Twins or this Indians team right now. And I think that they're they're on the right track for sure heading into the postseason. I got to say, you called it. You definitely have been on top of that one. <laughs> For quite a while, and uh, many I, I misses. Give you some kudos. Just don't don't pick them to win the World Series this year. I think, <laughs> I think this is the year that you can go away from that take. I'm gonna. I promise you, I will not be taking them to win the World Series. Fair enough. All right, Anju, get us an oh by the way and take us home. I swear, my oh by the way was going to be the Indians. So <laughs> I I uh, I just I'm so impressed with them. And I mean, we I was just going to talk about Corey Kluber. Uh, today pitched out of the pen in the minors. Um, you know, I, I mean, he's on track to get going here for them. So now you're looking at a starting rotation of Kluber and Plesak and Clevenger and Bieber and, you know, potentially Salazar and Carrasco and Brad Hand out of the bullpen. And they added Reyes and Yasiel Puig's not even playing yet right now because of the suspension. So, um, you know, when they when they build it all around, I mean, we thought that this was a team that might be mailing it in, that might be trading you know, they obviously trade Bauer, but they had those two bats. So, uh, you know, we were talking about playing Francisco Lindor potentially being dealt. I mean, this is suddenly a very interesting group, and I've just been so impressed with the job that Tito Francona and these guys have done overall this year. I, I would agree. I, and I wanted to just quickly touch on, uh, to stay on my brand, is the, the, the NBA theme. And, and that's kind of just, I don't know if you've had an eye on this this rule that uh, has been looked at for, for NBA agents, and they've coined it the Rich Paul rule, uh, but the NCAA oh, yes. has now amended this certification projects, uh, process for agents that are representing basketball players who are deciding whether to stay in school or explore the NBA draft, and they're no longer going to be required to have a bachelor's degree. Uh, this was something that uh, LeBron was very openly vocal about, and uh, you know a lot of folks around the NBA uh, because obviously the the agent who represents him and many other stars, Rich Paul, uh, did not. So uh, I don't know if you you saw this or have been following that storyline. But if, mm-hmm. you, if you have, what are, what are your thoughts on on them? Obviously, kind of receding and, and pulling this back amid you know a lot of the criticism of it. I mean, not it's just classic. Right? It's just classic LeBron. It's like it, everything is catered about around LeBron in this era, and it's. Honestly, it's getting kind of sickening to me, but yep. you know, it is what it is. Like it's, it's every rule is bent for him. And I mean, I'm not even just saying that as like a biased observer. It just is like anything that he wants to happen just turns to fruition, both the things I agree with and the ones I don't. And this is one of those that I don't really like. I mean, I'd like to see LeBron go to his school in Akron and talk to those kids about the fact that they don't necessarily need a degree because he wanted to help his buddy, you know, get going, you know, in his professional career. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, just leave it the way it is. Whichever way it was, there's no need to add, you know, a certain hurdle, in my opinion. I would agree with you. I think you expected me to say that as well. 
But that will do it, Anshu. We've got uh, what we have the NFC and the AFC North next week, which is a oh. very exciting show to look forward to for both of us. And like I mentioned, we might have some bonus content for you this weekend. So if you are around, maybe on Friday or Saturday, check us out. If you if you we're going to listen to this, maybe listen to something else if we have it posted as well. So Anshu, anything you wanted to add before we let our listeners get back to their week? Nope, that is it. We will be talking to you later this week, though, for sure. Well, with that being said, our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We will see you guys maybe earlier than next week.